Hey folks, we have a slightly different format for the next two weeks. We had a really fantastic interview with a friend of the show, James Nager, from Shram's Mead in Ferndale, Michigan. But we took about an hour and 40 minutes to make our way through a single chapter, so I've decided to split it into two episodes. We'll do part one today, and then uh, part two next week, possibly a day early, just in case you are uh, playgratting your way across the country and want something to listen to as you drive home to see your family. Hello, and welcome to Gom Jabber with the Mod Leaps, a Dune podcast both thorough and flippant. We are drinking our way through Frank Herbert's 1965 sci-fi magnum opus, Dune, one chapter at a time, uncovering the deepest of secrets and Dune spiracies along the way. I'm Josh Stevens, our fearless troubadour, the gurney Halleck of this motley crew uh, of former live-off group on fame, and I'm joined here with my co-hosts, Alec Boyle and Lily Brislin, and we have a special guest today uh, from Shram's Mead in Ferndale, Michigan, the director of sales and chief revenue officer. His uh, chome directorship is firmly in place. Uh, we have James <laughs> Nager. Uh, Lily, why don't you start by introducing yourself? What up, nerds? Dr. Reverend Mother Lily of Banana Moy and Brisland here. Uh, it's, I, we've come so long through this journey, through the great deserts, through the erg. I'm a Benny Gesserit outlaw, keeper of the water of life, uh, the dean of the Dunademia, and the resident curmudgeon. Glad to be here with you. I'm going to pass it over to Alex. You think you're our curmudgeon? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fierce <laughs> battle. I'm going to have to call you out. You know, you're going to have to come up with strategies to not be the curmudgeonliest amongst us. I'm pretty sure that's Boyle. Boyle, Mm. the real curmudgeon. Well, I am Alec Boyle, the Baron curmudgeon of this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm also the uh, engineer, editor, theme song composer, and to blame for our general lack of organization at all times. Oh, you got it right this time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am to blame. That's, that's my real <laughs> official title of this podcast. I am to play. Uh, uh, yeah, and then joining sure. us this week is special guest uh, James Nager. James, why don't you give your, the audience a brief introduction? Hello. Uh, introduction to me on a Dune podcast. Um, I, I don't know. I guess that's an interesting... Uh, <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm a father of two. Is that Alia in the background? I hear you. Wait for my brother, Baron. <laughs> I work for Shram's Mead, which is a, a winery in Michigan. And uh, I guess I'm a nerd enough to get invited on this podcast um, in that I weird stuff that I do out in public caught the attention of some other folks. <laughs> so here I am. It's both a high and a low threshold. It is simultaneously the highest and lowest threshold to get on this podcast. I, I'm honored. I'm honored that anyone <laughs> noticed it all. I, I wonder how many other people that read that email recognize the litany against fear uh, that you wrote in there that was, that was just I was beautiful. hoping for more than one, but we have at least one. And Which is that's okay better than me. nothing. Well... So let's get into it. Josh, do you have that text available? Could you by any chance read oh, us the litany against heat? The litany against fear of shipping mead when it's yeah. too hot outside? Yeah, I do have it here. Hold on a second. I have to tell you, the, the and and obviously, so that episode was the first episode I ever heard of this podcast. I, I, and 
I'm honestly blown away. I mean, all I know of you, Josh, is that, you know, you're a customer of, of Shram's Mead. Um, so glad that like what I wrote reached out and touched somebody at the very least. Um, it but, tickled uh, me for sure. That's pretty funny. Anyways, I have been following along since, so I listened to that episode probably 25 times. Because I had a <laughs> smile just glued to my face like for a week. Nice, and, I've got uh, it. But anyways, I have since kept up with every episode. Yeah, so Josh, go ahead with that. Yep, um, so this is the Mead Shipping Credo. <laughs> I must ship mead in fall or spring. Heat is the mead killer. Heat is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn my inner eye to see the path of my mead. Where the heat has gone, there will be nothing. Only mead will remain. James Nager. As, uh, as written in this email by the Princess Irulan. Princess yeah, yeah. Irulan. So, yeah. So, James, tell us, how did you come up with the idea to put that in the newsletter email? And then tell us you know what? more about your, like, relationship with Dune prior to that. Yeah, so, uh, and honestly, when when Josh invited me to come on, I was like, you know what they're going to ask me? It's like how I came up with that. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea at all. You've probably been drinking a bunch of mead. Sitting at my desk here. No, probably co- like probably like coffee and just like uh, up for days. And mm. I-, I have no idea. No, <laughs> no. I don't remember how I came up with that. It may have been something along the lines of having just seen the the trailer for the new Dune movie mm. for the 50,000th time. That was what I was going to ask is when you had last like consumed some sort of Dune property before oh. writing that. Um, so I have a strange relationship with the Dune, um, audiobooks. Mm. So, uh, tell me more. <laughs> like, like, like Paul Madib himself in a trance, right? All the time <laughs> like going through, you know, like a trance, like state, you know, future, past, and present is all the same in his mind. I frequently fall asleep. Like, honest to God, this is my history with Dune stuff is. The first time I ever ever digested anything Dune related was the movie, the original movie, playing on basic cable or something. Like in when I was in high school or college. You are a true fetakeen. This is the first way I consumed it, like all of my favorite movies. Please go on. So yeah, saw the movie first, but literally, you know, it was on daytime TV or something, and I was probably just on the couch taking a nap, fell asleep within 15 minutes. And the second time I went to go see the movie, I intentionally went to watch it and fell asleep again. And so for whatever reason, uh, listening to the audio books of this material also helps me to fall asleep. Brilliant. So I I have very rarely been through more than 20, 25 minutes worth of Dune material without <laughs> being <amazing>. unconscious. <laughs> you know? Or, and then like I think about it like it's I wake up, you know half asleep i'm still listening to it because i haven't set the timer mm-hmm. or whatever and so i'm just in and out of consciousness all the time so it's like dune quantum leap. Dune material so normally we would ask a guest which dune character they are for our podcast but it's really yeah. clear that you're muadib you're the quiz <laughs> no, you're the lisa no. gala gaib no, I, I would the like sleeper to awakens who would you like to be yeah i would like to represent okay let me let me say this um, <laughs> 
we're getting deep real quick. I love this. Yeah. Beginnings are a very delicate time. <laughs> and so I don't you're want to the, I don't want to fuck this up. But I have seen a potential future for me on this podcast. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a. It is one of the potential futures. <laughs> depending, on, depending how this goes, you know. So I, I'm not going to go straight to Paul. I wouldn't do that to you guys. I think that's a little cocky. I will. I will go for today at least as the imperial planetologist and ecologist. Oh, Leah Kynes. love it. I feel there are, and there are very subtle reasons why. Um, okay. But I'm just going to go with Leah Kynes for now. Um, like you mentioned and you I'm, mentioned I'm, seeing potential futures, but you're actually and, seeing the now. <laughs> You see the now? <laughs> You're on the podcast. You see the now. I'm I'm looking at something here on the Zoom. <laughs> it's, it's you happening. know, as we say, James, Leah can get it. So you really stepped yeah. right into a, a really formative role. It is. If our podcast is one unified official stance, it's Leah can get it. So. Yeah. Well, so wow. you've, you've got you've got children, and you get to choose Chani or Chaney. Yeah. Oh. oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if you're you're the you're the dad. I always said Chani or Chani. Okay. Thank wow. you, and you made Josh shut know. up. This is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> no, I, well, because I, I agree. Like, I hate that. That's what. Why did Frank do this to us? Be, between like the uh, the Dune audiobook and the um, Messiah of uh, a Dune Messiah audiobook, I think they changed the oh, they? certain things. <laughs> no shit. And it's really it's really screwed up. And you know, like the difference between the, like the 10, 15 characters version and the one character version, mm-hmm. it's like, it's enough to make you go crazy because I think they're all pronounced differently. So, oof. That's really Yeah, funny. that happened in another book I was reading and it drove me nuts where like they changed like the main character's pronunciation. Um, well, should we get into some content? Sure. Seems, yeah. Um, right? James seems pretty fucking prepped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could let James read the quote if he wants to. I know, James, Ooh. you have it available? Yeah. All right. All right. Um, So the quote starts, and Wadib stood before them, and he said, though we deem the captive dead, yet does she live. For her seed is my seed, and her voice is my voice. And she sees unto the farthest reaches of possibility. Yea, unto the veil of the unknowable does she see me, or does she see because of me, from Arrakis Awakening by the Princess Irulan. And I like that quote. That's pretty tight. (laughs) I think it's pretty interesting. It well, actually, I'm gonna let Lily go. I have many questions, but I feel like Alex <laughs> should go first because my my biggest holdup is at the end of the quote. Okay, so I have two things. First off, it falls into the new paradigm, right, where the quote yep. just describes what happens in the chapter. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's how you know you're in the end game. My second thing is, to what extent do we think that this is Paul after the fact taking credit for a thing that he in no way deserves credit? One hundred percent. The answer is one hundred percent. That's his mo. That's that's Maudib. I don't think that Alia's ability to perceive extra chronologically has anything to do with Paul. Emphatic hand gestures happening over here, Alec. <laughs> Why? Yay! And the creepiness of the seed stuff. Like, you can't be a man talking about your seed and not have it get real weird real quick. I mean, he's calling it his seed, but that's not what it is. 
Well, I think he's supposed to, he means it's the same seed that created him. Yeah, he can't claim that. That's his dad's. <laughs> so he's claiming Duke Duke Leto's seed? Yeah. That's what like it sounds do. like. Like you do. That's his own. <laughs> It's weird. I mean, you think this is because he's all fucked up on time magic? Also, I feel like now that James brought it up, I'm really leaning into my plinkly voice. <laughs> my pitch yeah. has gone up like a full octave. I Love can't it. help but see it in my head, you know? <laughs> You're pleakly. Uh, and I've weird. seen enough of that stupid movie. Worlds collide. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta watch that now, again. And I imagine if That's you had why... to watch it like two children number of times it would probably start to lose some yeah. charm yeah you, you know what honestly once you get into the television show it starts to get really good this is the lilo for everyone who's just joining us at home <laughs> the lilo and stitch series of content from disney um i think alec sounds a lot like uh Pleakley, the uh one of the side characters james you are you're coming in hot as a great guest here because you've already brought a Worlds Collide. You've done some great mm-hmm. work here, and we're, we're just right. getting started. So, All right. Well, hopefully I'm not going to let you down. So let's do a rundown, and then we can... No, because why... Oh, sorry, Lily. Yeah. There's so much effed up in this quote. Why is Paul saying that Alia's voice is his voice? Her seed is his seed. Like, why... I know, Alec, you summed it up nicely, yeah. but I'm just still heated about it. This, I, I think I know why. Okay. If I step out on a limb. Sure. Say more. I only know you from like two or three episodes. That's a, the extent of my knowledge of this squad here. Okay. But um, this is really like an anti-feminist quote, if I'm being <gasps> honest. Ooh. She's, he's talking about her seat is my seat. Her voice is my voice. She's doing this cool thing. She's reaching into the uh, farthest degrees of possibility, what have you. Yet, because she's doing that because of me. And she's like, this is my shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, she can't she's be not, stepping she's, up. She's, yeah. Hmm. Like, she's doing it just because of me. Slow I'm clap. Give her a little bit of credit on her own. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I took it. Nailed it. You just graduated Duna Devia, the Benny Jesuit right, School. You. you got a certificate so, in BWS Benny Jesuit. from, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt. No. The book that she's quoting from, or that it's a quote from a book from a female author. So I think there's something to this analysis. So I have something on this. Okay. And it kind of goes back to the, the very beginning of the quote. And this is Paul saying, though we deem the captive dead, yet does she live. He's actually maybe saying the opposite. It's not that her that her voice is his voice. I mean, he is saying that, but he's saying, like, she speaks for me. She is sort of this extension of him. Um, and so she's not dead. She's very, well, very so much it's, there. It's both, right? It's he's kind of both. her agency but saying... We have to give her special treatment because she's of the Duke Duke line. This is um, this is like the because right, normally if you're captured, you're dead. Is this right? like the we, Son and the Holy Ghost kind of thing, oh, one and the same? Right. Okay. This is a Fremen thing where as soon as they're dead, they mourn them, and he's like, no, 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 yeah. no, don't give up on her. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. She's not okay. dead. She is. She's every bit as much me, and what she's saying is me saying it, and thus she is very much alive. What she's doing has importance. Ah, that's good. All right. Alec for Alec for the eleventh hour clarification. A little assist there. Uh okay, can we go on to the uh, thirty seconds then? Yes, let's please do a rundown. Okay, so I'm gonna preface the thirty seconds by saying this is a parade of characters. Enter the Baron. Enter <laughs> the royal person. Enter the Emperor's throne. Enter the old crone. Enter two fat guild agents. 
Enter Princess Rysalot. <laughs> the Emperor grills the Baron, as the Baron had done to countless others before. See his conversation with Raban, uh, his captain of the guard. I think that the Emperor at one point literally says one of the Baron's lines back to him. But we'll I really there. do think he does. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, speaking of his uh, of his royal Thuferness, uh, Thufer then uh, is is mentioned. He's been gone for five days trying to find Maudib. Uh, does this worry the Baron? Asked the Emperor. Yeah, yep, mm-hmm, it does. Um, storm <laughs> is coming, and the Fremen wouldn't dare attack us now. We got Sadakar off the ass. Um, enter Alia. Then shade in the desert, left shade and desert! right. <laughs> left and right, shade in the desert. Uh, then we find out the Baron is more like the Duke than ever before. Miscalculations. <laughs> Get out of my mind. Alia drops more knowledge. Everyone cringes. So creepy. Alia kills Pappy Harkonnen. Shield wall is down. Ship is blasted. Chaos running. Get Fenring! Uh, and that's, that's no, basically that's it. That's the last line of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if, yeah. if you go on, it's an error. <laughs> we've, we've got to yeah. get my mom to get Fenring. No, no, the only other note I had here was that that was the emperor who was demanding that we get Fenring, but I figured that didn't actually need to be said, so then I said it anyway, of course. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's your 30 seconds. Excellent Great. job. So, Pithy. James, let's start with you, because I feel like you know we can babble on forever. What are your initial <laughs> thoughts about this chapter? Uh, you know, I obviously I'm, I'm honored that you guys would bring me on for this chapter. Uh, I think that it's kind of one of the cooler ones, like when, in terms of a lot good. of pretty exciting mm-hmm. important, important stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, and honestly, it's a short chapter. But, but dense. I think you could but rich. you could drag this out to at least 45 minutes. Oh, no, right? actually, I was literally <laughs> thinking while Josh was doing his rundown, like, this is going to be our first hour episode in a while. Like, there's a lot to say. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. I mean, like, uh, in the movie as well. Mm. Like, you can <laughs> a whole hour. <laughs> That's All true. All the cool shit is happening. In the, and am, am I allowed to swear in this? Yes. I feel like yeah. I've heard it oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said right. the P word a few times, so uh, all bets are off. <laughs> Yeah, like if they made a, if they made like a a mini series, like the dinner party would be a full hour episode. This would be like yeah. a full hour episode, H- right? Like HBO could turn this into a whole season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and great idea, great idea. Yeah, I would promote that. Um, a lot of yeah. stuff going on, a lot of cool shit going on in this uh, in this chapter. Um, I'm excited to see it. You know on the big screen in mm. a way that doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of cool stuff going to Saint, you know, like riding in on the, on the sandworms, the Baron uh, getting it with the Gamja bar. I thought that was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really like it. There's something super creepy about like a four. And I, I, Josh, I don't know how old your kids are, but I've got a four year old. Mine's four. My son yeah. is four. How creepy, right? If like, one, your four-year-old would have this like needle thing on her his finger and just right you in the ne- like right in the neck, right? There's something really unsettling about a four-year-old doing murderous children. I mean, if you don't cut his nails for like a week and a half, like you got to put cuts all over your <laughs> face, so it's kind of the yeah. same. So chronologically in the chapter, the first thing I need to get out of Josh is how cool did us old rock nerds think the Emperor's throne was? So cool. Um, but I, I need to even go before that because what oh, really shit. stood out was the royal person. The royal person? The What's royal the deal person? With 
I mean, and it's very um, like. Is it a gender neutral? Gender perspective. Yeah. It's right. Like, what? Oh, but, go ahead. No. <laughs> no. Say for it, Alec. Well, I mean, right. It's pretty aggressively implied that uh, the Baron is gay, right? So this mm-hmm. could also just be, damn, Shaddam's hot. Mm. No, it's what they call. It's not that the Baron calls him. It's what it's what's announced. No, the but Baron no, it's the Baron waiting. Not ignore the royal person. Mm-hmm. It's capitalized like a proper noun, though. Yeah, true. But that's also a, a, like I feel like, and I don't know this for sure, but my memory is that that's like a thing you call royalty, like the body of a royal person. There. Their objectivity is the royal person. Hmm. You know more about royalty than So, I like, know. don't, right? If somebody, like, hits the, slaps the king, then they could be charged with laying a hand on the royal person. Hmm. Fine, Alec. Sense. I feel like you're, like, you're, you're putting the kibosh on our party. I thought it was a pretty okay. cool thing that was happening there, but fine. Well, okay. Up. Other questions. We start, <laughs> there's a Sardaukar around the edge. It says, other things capitalized. House Sardaukar. It's a house? I mean, I knew we learned that they live Kush after they become Sardaukar, but... Hmm. The Where troop, is this? The truth. Yeah, I need to look at this. First too. paragraph, y'all! Uh, with covert glances, the Baron has studied the metal-walled room and its occupants, the... Oh, yeah. Or, no, no, no. Oh, pages I guards, think that's... The troop of House Sardaukar, drawn up around I think walls. that is a mistaken capitalization. It I happens again! Okay. Doesn't it? I think that's supposed to be lowercase h... Capital S, the the Sardukar of the house. Hmm. Well, maybe I, our dear listeners have. I'm just here to crush knowledge. fun. Sorry, guys. I'll oh, I think yeah. I think you might be right. They're his house. They're his Sardukar of his house. Like yeah. his, like his... The, the the palace Sardukar. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, less interesting. I know. Sure. Okay. Fine. Okay. Other point. Yep. Why? If I was the house, if I was the royal person, if I was the Padisha emperor, and I walked into a room and they're like, "Here ye, here ye, here comes the boss bitch," and then I had to wait for my chair to be walked up to me, why I isn't agree. the chair there already? Why isn't he being carried in his chair? <laughs> so many questions. Think of how heavy that fucking no, huge and I think that's why chair. I think it's well. The they could carry the chair. You can add this one guy no, to it. It's not gonna but make you want there. people to reflect separately on how much money the emperor spent to fly his chair here. Oh, uh, yeah. The chair is a presence all its own. Right. It's the Iron Throne, but it's you know what quartz. Right. Imagine if somebody right like was like, "Oh, I'm going to Winterfell. Put the Iron Throne on a wagon and drive <laughs> it there." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to point out, we talk. They talk about how the emperor looks very much like a uh, a bird of prey, like the duke, and they also I draw a nice a nice um, comparison of the clothing. He's wearing a gray Sadarkar uniform, and the only like embellishments are just like some silver and gold trim. But basically, the emperor is all about that Atreides drab garb. With like a little flash on the edges. Yeah. Here's the question. Is that like the old money thing where all you can wear is a matching sweater set and a tennis bracelet and anything else is gauche? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, look at the Baron. Right, is the Baron new money? Yeah, is, is that he... the whole point? That like they all kind of hate the Harkonnens because they're these like 
flashy mm. uh, grubber. <laughs> Baron is new money. Yes! I love that. That's, <laughs> that is so right. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's my impression from the movie. The right? original movie. It mm. kind of tracks, right? Like, he's he's all about indulgence and splendor, and I love his fashion sensibilities and things, and, and everyone else is, like, buttoned-up waspy, you know. A color! He's creepy. He's creepy. He's creepy too. And, yeah, 100%. The Emperor's probably creepy in his own way. Oh, the Emperor's definitely oh, yeah, for creepy. Sure. Well, for he's, sure. Yeah, he's a king. Um, but anyway, I just really liked his chair. Um, Very much. <laughs> so I feel like then the next content bit we really get into, well, there's two, right? The Emperor says, my dear Baron. And then the Baron's like, I came at your summons, Majesty. And then Mahayim literally is like, summons <laughs> and i didn't quite get what she was laughing at but i liked that she was laughing every time yeah. she laughed i thought i don't get it why yeah. is she laughing <sighs> maybe question my betty jesuit credibility she definitely reads a little insane in this chapter yeah J- james you got anything why why is she laughing so hard i have no idea <laughs> all right you know like well maybe maybe it's like um oh I don't know. Maybe it's just like, this guy's the emperor. He doesn't have to summon you. Like, you should just show up. Also, you know? it just occurred to me, James, while you were thinking, the emperor brought his whole damn palace to the planet. Like, the baron wasn't summoned. The baron was already, like, in orbit. She's like, bitch, you weren't summoned. <laughs> we came and got your ass. <laughs> was he already in orbit? Yeah, they've been there. No, he was on Gidi. No, he cut, he cut off, he cut off Raban. And then oh, this whole yeah, shit with right, Raban right. went way downhill, and now they're convening to to figure out something about this Dune right. problem. Okay, so here's what else. Here's my amendment to that previous uh, misinformed statement: When the Emperor lands on the planet that your house is inhabiting, like you aren't summoned, you get your ass right. there as quick as possible. Yeah, as James said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean. I, mean, I didn't mean to Jesuit explain it. Yes. No, no, that was good. I mean, yeah. this dude, he he flies down, lands his spacecraft. <laughs> And then sets up this whole metal tent. Like a, <laughs> Look at the size thing. of that thing. You, <laughs> you think know? this is... Um, <laughs> this is, this I'll is show up. Mohayim saying, <laughs> right. you weren't Let's summoned. You weren't summoned. Yeah. Uh, you're you're done. Like, you're here, but you weren't summoned. You're you're here for completely other, like, different reasons. This is not like, oh, I came because you wanted me here. This is like I, you don't get you don't get summoned to your own funeral. Right. There, that you're going. Yes, yeah, you, yeah. Um, I also this is also like the, the my dear Baron is the first shade in the desert. He managed to dismiss him while greeting him. <laughs> that was a that was maybe one of the best lines in this whole thing. Yeah, and actually, there's a lot of refer like are they people note it frequently. I guess the Baron throughout this chapter, right? But the the Emperor has an almost voice level amount mm. of timber control right he can mm-hmm. he can say right remember how excited the baron was by um by fenring saying two things at once the baron <laughs> oh. or the emperor can say like three or four double meaning once. yeah <laughs> it was like double rainbow for yeah. the baron yeah, yeah um, the emperor can say like a dozen things at the same time yeah for sure um and but then the the emperor's um sort of facade cracks when he basically says, ah, the Fremen won't attack while I'm here with five legions of Sadakar. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 so that's one of the big 
errors of judgment the Emperor makes. The other one that I really like is that he Harkonnened the Harkonnens, right? He mm-hmm. assumed that their plan was so much more intricate and better than it actually was. I love the plan that mm-hmm. he thought the Harkonnens had. What, well, what's that? He thought that the Harkonnens had pretended to eliminate the Atreides so that they could go in together on turning the Fremen into a Sardaukar-level military force. And it's only when he gets Mahayim in front of him that he realizes, and Alia, right, that he realizes that, no, he actually killed the Duke and has no idea what's happening on this Oh, planet. you know what? I Thank you. Yeah, that, um, that clears up a little bit. <laughs> I, uh, that's what he was talking about when he talked about his ally. Yes. I thought he was just being flippant, like, you guys were supposed to be allies, but, uh, I know what you really did. No, no, yeah. He thought, based on the the casualties that the Sardaukar felt, like, that were inflicted on the Sardaukar in their raid on the siege. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that he, he realized based on that, that these Fremen are incredible fighters, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so he decided, oh... They must have been working on this the whole time, and this whole slowdown in spice production was a plan to get me. Interesting, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, at least I've got the Baron in custody, even if I don't have Duke Leto in custody. So that's why when he says, so tell me why you aren't worried about Thufur's absence, he says, but I am worried, Majesty. The Emperor stares at him, and then the Reverend Mother cackles again because she's realizing that the Baron's actually clueless and has no clue yes, what's going on. they're thinking, oh, you're not worried because you sent him to go tell Leto what's going on. Yeah, he and is worried, and she right, knows it's know, true. We know from back in the, the Fenring Gidi chapter, right, that they suspect yes. the Baron of all these, like, advanced plans that he doesn't That's have. That's true. They thought that he was going to be creating some Fremen Sardaukar, um... Based on on Fenring, thinking yeah. giving the Baron way too much credit, um, yeah, awesome. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That's great. Good, uh, good call. Okay, so the we learned that uh, how clever the Baron, the Aaron said, and where are your nephews, Raban and Young Fade? The storm comes. I sent them to inspect our perimeter. So the Baron has sent both Fade and the Beast. Isn't that feel like two lineage? eggs in one Arakeen basket? Like, doesn't that feel a bit too risky? Uh, doesn't seem super smart. <laughs> doesn't seem But to if you're be... the Emperor, again, you think it's him sending them away so they can't get executed. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, hey, I'm not going to put them in the, in, the, in the one basket right here. Um, actually, very way, interesting. It is smart, right? Like, you, as the Baron, you have to assume... The Ember is at least as dangerous to you as the Fremen. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. All right, so they get talking. The Baron gets more and more nervous. And then there's this great paragraph where he talks about, he knows something the Baron thought. Fear sat like a stone in his stomach until he could hardly bear the thought of eating. Yet the feeling was like hunger. If there hasn't been a more accurate description... (laughs) of eating your feelings ever written in any text ever. I've never heard it described. I've read that paragraph five times. And I was like, no, this is eating your feelings. He poised himself several times in his suspensers on the point of ordering food brought to him. Can you imagine being called in front of your boss, getting nervous, getting scared, getting anxious, and being like, can, so, 
Could somebody bring me a snack? <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need a snack. Which, like the snap your fingers snack and then no one comes, yeah. right? Because there's no one there to bring you a snack. Okay, so this brings us to my segment. The Krista Hatter snack. The gum. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Delicious. What is your anxiety snack? What is the snack that you will like? And and you can define anxiety snack as much as you want. For me, it's something that I will reach for and then eat a shocking amount of it without thinking. But there's many forms of like it's not just comfort food. It's like the thing that you're manically eating. I'll start. Maybe this will this will help you all think of it. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Cheez Its. I could consume an entire box of Cheez Its under duress without without blinking an eye. Mm-mm. Probably two boxes Mm-mm. if we're we're telling the truth. And and uh, we had someone uh, someone left a box around that I had ignored. I always was a cheese it purist i thought it was original recipe or nothing and really, i really lily that shocks me about you it doesn't <laughs> or is it exactly on brand and then i had these white cheddar cheeses which i scoffed i was like take these away from my don't don't put these in front of me and then i was anxiety eating in the lead up to the election and y'all they are pretty tasty they're, they're pretty quite tasty good. i ate the whole box i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah I think I think over the few days of uh, of election coverage, I probably ate through a Costco sized bag of um, of like popcorn. It was I was it was either Skinny Pop or the white cheddar one that they have Smart, Pop. Smart Pop or both. I don't know. I like both a lot. Skinny Pop is bullshit. Smart Pop is delicious. No, I like I like Skinny Pop just because it's so got a good skinny. flavor and it. No, it's just got a good flavor and it's uh, it's light. You can eat a lot of it. Yeah, it does have volume going for it, but. I mean, I can eat a whole box of Fig Newtons. It doesn't have anything to do with their lightness. <laughs> Is that your anxiety I snack, I, can, I just can get through more. That or, uh, I mean, it's not an anxiety snack. I generally eat those more out of, like, delirious joy. I don't really have an anxiety snack. You're, I think, you're uh, not a compulsive eater. I'm not an anxiety eater. I'm more of a... You used dog. to have a drawer full of graham crackers. Remember the drawer of graham? Yeah, that was a prank. An elaborate prank on no one. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. I thought you were just really. I thought you were just hoarding graham crackers because you needed needed that sweet graham cracker goodness. Not for eating. Oh, I don't even want to know now. Yeah, I'm confused and disturbed. But also, I also say corn chips. Right, corn chips are a thing where, like, until Mm. the corn chips are gone or taken away. Yeah. Any chips for me. The corn chips. What do you mean by corn chips? Only corn chips. I don't like potato chips that much. Oh, potato chips, Fritos, corn chips, regular corn chips, whatever. Wait, 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 wait. Do you just mean you by corn chips you mean tortilla chips? Yeah. Is this the most Midwestern shit you've said on this entire podcast? Corn chips, but <laughs> yes. And then you're saying that Fritos are in a separate category from them. They are the fakest of the corn chips, but they're they're you quite good. They are yeah. They are a terminus of corn chips, but I think they're still a corn chip. Yes. James, I need you to weigh in on this. <laughs> and the, the scoops I, are the best. What do one. you call? All right, I'm going to strike that from the record, Josh. But James, what do you call the triangular-shaped chips made out of corn? Now that I'm saying it, I'm realizing that there's some logic in the, in the name. Of, what do you and call no, But also, they're like... Yeah. Like tortilla chips. Thank you, yeah, James. tortilla chips. Thank you. No, I'm with you. A tortilla chip is a kind like of tostitos. corn chip. Yeah. What? But like, in fact, a tostito is not a tortilla chip because at no point was that ever part of a tortilla. True. That it's is crust and fried cornmeal, right? No one made that into a tortilla first and then fried it. True. 
I think we should get back to uh, <laughs> Dune. No, James's snack. James, James what's your James, what's your hatter what snack? What is what is your hatter snack? What's your go-to watching election um, returns snack? Oh, I, I would say I, I probably don't have any one particular snack. Uh, I'm a leftovers guy. Oh. Uh, doesn't matter what it is. If it's leftover, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't even matter if we had just been eating it. You know, like 20 minutes ago, I'm at. I'm having it. I, like I love a leftover. Yeah, yeah, I'm big leftovers guy. That's the Lord's so word, they James. Call, I had, <laughs> I had, uh, I look like I'm in front of my wood. Sorry, I've got my Zoom background here as my uh, my fresh stack of wood here, Josh. You missed that intro as well. I did miss that, and I'm sad about it. It is a uh, legit stack of wood here. <laughs> I I need some. Can I can I buy some? Do you deliver? Because I need some. I don't. <laughs> I don't deliver, He's but like, this is how much wood it is. Oh. So nice. maybe almost, the natural almost, transition almost from anyway. the Hattersnack is to talk about the excellent product. Not that anyone's actually yeah. watching me holding this thing up. Uh, so, but they should. Yeah. James, for our listeners that are uninitiated, which is most many people, what constitutes sure. a mead? And my understanding, which is very minimal, is that it is a honey based fermented product. Is that true or not true? Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, Nailed it. Beer, beer is made from grains. Wine is made from fruits, and mead is made from honey. Mm. So you can have all kinds of wine. You know, you can have cherry wine. You can have grape wine made from fruits. I do enjoy some cherry. Uh, wine. If you have beers, uh, even something like sake, you know, you, it, it's it's. I guess you can think of it like a beer. Yeah, it's a fermented grain um, product. It's really closer mm-hmm. to beer than it is to rice wine. Um, and, and mead is from honey. So honey provides the source of fermentable sugars for the, the fermentation that creates alcohol. So it's an alcoholic beverage uh, that's made by fermenting honey and water and other things. You know what's always confused me? Isn't honey one of those things that like never goes bad? Yes, Like naturally? Right? Isn't that true? So... so yeah, yeah. That's above enough, a right? certain concentration, mm-hmm. just the like just the physics of it, the the sugar concentration itself will kill stuff. So Death honey is a natural sugar. preservative; it preserves itself, uh, but you can use it to preserve other things. You can use it to treat infected wounds, and in, like if you have burns and stuff, it's a really good treatment for for mm. burns, even in today's day and age, because it kills bacteria and yeast, um, and all kinds of things just by osmosis. So cool. And in a related note, you can also use honey. Um, I've been doing some work on local grains, as we talked about on our last guest episode, but you can use honey in your uh, sandwich loaves to extend the shelf life without using artificial preservatives, or what do I want to say? Manufactured preservatives. So honey is a miraculous. And it is. Josh um, shared some bottles with us. I have the Black Agnes Black Currant Mead. Mm. If you I'm are drinking the other Black French, you'll right know it's the, Cassis. The farmhouse currant is oh what I'm goodness. drinking at the moment. Y'all, if you've nice. never had mead, it is it is a jewel. It is a jewel in a glass. I find it to be so delightful and rich and multifaceted. I mean, jewel in the like. Every sense. I'm I'm writing this metaphor till the end of the erg here. But I will say that not every mead is Shram's mead. Like I'm oh, okay. I'm not I'm not lying here. Like they they vary greatly and um 
I have found just a a preference uh, here for for shrimps because it's just so incredibly well made uh, and delicious. From their fruited ones to the not fruited ones, um, there's a what's the uh, Tasmanian leatherwood one? Ah, yeah, uh, what is that, that one is incredible. Say more. Yeah, next time I see you, I'll I'll, I'll bring a bottle. We can so, ask James about. Um, yeah, so uh, sorry, you'll have to edit some of this out. <laughs> <laughs> I muted the Zoom, but I'm realizing now you're going to hear me screaming in the background. <laughs> Get in your bed! <laughs> That'll be easy to fix. That's fine. So if you hear me screaming at my kids, just edit That's that so out. Good. Okay. Um, so it's in a you can mood. make me. You can make. Yeah, it's a ducal mood. Um, <laughs> you can get. You can make mead with all kinds of stuff, right? You can make it just honey and water and yeast, and that's called a traditional. Um, and it's really uh, it, one of the simplest ways of making mead, but it, in many ways it's one of the more complex, at least to do it well. Um, you can't but, hide behind anything, right? I, I, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty um, – well, I mean, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of finesse. It takes a little bit of know-how. But you can do it. You, you could do it in a jar on your uh, counter. And, you know, if, if you're familiar with Sandor Katz's uh, Art of Fermentation, it's kind of a seminal uh, book on yeah. fermenting everything. Um, that's exactly how he describes how to make mead in that book is I and I, I think there's a picture of a jar or a drawing of a jar on that page, honey and water. And you expose it to the, you know, wild stuff that's going on in your kitchen or you can take it out into underneath an apple tree or what have you and just get some wild yeast going and aerate it for a couple days. And you'll have a, you know, four or five percent alcoholic drink, you know, that will give you a headache and stuff. And it might <laughs> smell funk. It might smell like cheese, but that, now you're that is how you can ferment. James. <laughs> that is that is the Sandor Cat's um, mead recipe, basically. It's this funky, cheesy, wild four percent traditional mead. So is that like your uh, uh, your your Vikings drinking a foamy mead kind of mead? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly it. It's kind of like a wild fermentation hmm. farmhouse kind of thing. Fun. Um, you know, it's not necessarily meant to be stored for a long period of time because it'll turn into vinegar really quickly. Hmm. Um, you know, so it's it, it's different from like a ser- you know, ancient wines that were uh, stoppered with you know mud and reeds and put in the amphora. You know, it's not like a even like an Egyptian or Assyrian style wines that were even meant to be stored back then. This is like raw stuff, you know, 4%, 5%. So it's like a lucky. Beaujolais Nouveau. Like you want to drink it when it's ready yeah. and not afterwards. Pet, you know, definitely Pet Nat style <laughs> wild mead because it's going to be cloudy and it's going to be maybe a little bit carbonated because it's, you know, and not going to be fully carbonated because you're, you don't have a pressure vessel. You know, you're not hmm. getting you know, getting very modern with it. So you can make traditional meads uh, that way, but traditional meads, you you know, even then you can make it wild, kind of wild and crazy, or you can pitch modern strains of yeast and have it be super clean and higher alcohol by volume, this kind of thing, more like a, like a white wine. So there's so much diversity in mead that it's kind of hard to talk about. Do you have thoughts um, on mead on arrakis? Josh, if you say I those do. words again. I swear to God, Josh, if you say those words, I, I didn't say it. I'm just letting I'm letting James run with it. I know how you feel. I might James, do it anyway. I don't know if we'll, you're up I, to date with our most recent conversations. I'm not. No, it hasn't it hasn't aired I'm yet. Not. 
Well, maybe it has. As of this moment when we were recording, that episode has not aired. So I'm up to date. I lied. I'm up to date, but I I haven't heard this yet. Okay. Anyway, we have learned. We have learned that there are bees on Arrakis, and are there? Didn't we learn that? Did I make it up? Or did Josh make it up and now it's infected my brain? I think I think I made it up. I said I wanted to imagine bees on Arrakis making Josh. You making did. honey. <sighs> I think I made this, it up. I, I don't know what, as, what Arrakis bees are like. As your uh, as your imperial uh, planetologist mm. and ecologist, mm-hmm. that would surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> what about in the southern regions near Siege Tabar? What is it? I don't Ta- think Tabar? So. No, I'm not sure. There's birds. True. Can any other if there are plants, dune animal there are um, pollinators create honey? Well, there could be pollen. Well, you, you you don't necessarily need insects to pollinate. Yeah, I don't bats need, are pollinators. I don't, I don't. You don't even need animals to pollinate. Honestly, I don't want to get crazy. Uh, I am a bit of a floral organ expert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Kynes. Go on. Say more, Leah. Say more. I mean, it is now. <laughs> so, Go on. Um, this is my. Uh, so I, I have my master of uh, master of science in molecular biology from Wayne State, and I worked in a plant lab, and we were fo- we were studying on floral organ development and how that happens, you know, g- from genes to morphology. And anyhow, um, I, so I'm not kidding. <laughs> the our model organism for um, a, a, a one sort of strategy for plants which is diacy so you have male and female plants totally separate so cannabis ginkgo hops ginkgo you'll have a male plant and a female plant and there are various ways that that happens some of them actually have sex chromosomes like like we all do and some of them share the same genes and how that decision is made quote unquote the decision to become male or female um anyways that's kind of inside baseball on Wait, are they Benny Jesuit? they can just plants. choose <laughs> they so they do what? in in, cer- in a certain way anyway spinach is wind pollinated so in, in my view i would be surprised if there were any bees on iraq to be <laughs> frank because wind, wind pollinated i think we got a lot of wind we got a lot of stuff we got a lot of wind. wind we got bats we got birds and i don't think we need bees <laughs> okay so no 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 dune bees unfortunately no dune honey i I don't know. No Tabor C. It could be some. Honey. It could be some other weird stuff, you know. Uh, you don't need bees to make honey, guys. Go on. What? What else can make honey? Yeah, wait, hold on. <laughs> and you don't need honeybees. You don't need honeybees to make honey. There are hundreds of species of bees and other things that make this sort of substance. Mm. You know, so huh. you could just concentrate some sugar source somehow. So what I'm doing is making and make making a our honey-like honey like product. So there could be space honey, but it's just not honey like we think of honey from bees. You know, maybe it's from some sap. You know, that's concentrating in one of these fucking caves. <laughs> huh. you know? What? In. Mm-hmm.